Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. And yeah, we have at least nine to ten movies to talk about this week. We have a lot of stuff on our plate. We're also recording today. We're doing a double, double, uh, double, uh, what it's a double header today. We're, we're doing this recommendation. And we're also after this, we're going to do a spotlight on the director, Oscar Michaud. We'll talk, we'll, Eric Holmes, who picked Oscar Michaud, we'll talk, we'll tease it a little bit on this episode as well. Another thing, this is a first for us on Find Your Film. We have two main reviews, two featured reviews. First one is Nomadland. I'm so excited to talk about Nomadland. And the other one is a documentary called The Reason I Jump, or I'd like to call it, little teaser, The Reason I tear up a little bit here and there. So that's a very interesting, two interesting movies that we're going to be talking about. I'm joined with every, by the way, every week, if you guys are just listening to audio, I reference different monikers that Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky put on their Zoom title cards or moniker cards this week. Bruce Perky is called Brucey B. Perky, B-E-E Perky, Brucey B. Perky. I don't know what that is. You just came up with that, Bruce. Is it just... Is it a character in a movie? It's just a straight up moniker. I don't know. What is that? Uh, it's a reference to a movie that might've been out of the box. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, a movie that might be out of the box. Bzzz. I not, not very pun, not very punny on my part. Holmes, the flower of Eric, Eric, Eric Holmes. Are you a, are you a flower? Do you consider? A, okay. Okay. Are you, what, what kind of flower would you be if you were a, a flower? Would you be a begonia? Is that a flower? Would you be a, uh, what is it? What kind of flowers? Orchid? Is probably it- like a, probably like a ragweed, maybe. Deep <laughs> <laughs> colored ragweed. <laughs> Why uh, is ragweed? Is that because ragweeds are maybe survivors like you are, Eric? You're a survivor of love. Is that, is that it? Ragweed? Or my over there, over there you go okay. nailed it <laughs> yeah nailed it ragweed the survivor of love <laughs> the survivor of love we have a lot of movies you know we we're we're just off of our I had a, a couple week break from um, taking care of Claire did you guys were did you guys work through the holidays or Bruce did you oh do you no what what did you guys do did you have you guys been oh, we're we were locked down because of the COVID thing. So yes. I just recently got to work and everything's fine now. But, you know, sister got real sick. No one else in the house did. But, it, you know, it, it did its thing and now it's gone. And so back to work. Thumbs up. Back to work. Thumbs up. And Eric Holmes, the picker the picker of Elise Guy Blachet a couple of months ago for the director's spotlight you decided to pick for this week, filmmaker Oscar Michaud. We're going to be talking about him after recording this episode. Just a little bit of a tease. By, by staying sheltering in place at home, we're able to watch some of Oscar's stuff. And are you glad that he is your choice this week? Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I dig him a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait till we get into it. There was a little trepidation at first, but I'll get into that more. But spoiler alert. He's pretty good. He's pretty fucking good. He's pretty effing good. Yes, and we and I I'm not the reason I'm saying effing and he's saying f u c k i n g because I have this whole OCD thing about not actually swearing and uh, we're an e show explicit because I I I, uh, I live vicariously whenever Eric and Bruce swear and are vulgar. I wish I was vulgar. I'd feel like more of a man. Bruce, in the yeah. last week, the last week, have you seen a lot of really great films? I, I'm well. I guess aside from our two featured films, has it been a productive week for you as far as cinema goes? Yes, I've seen, I want to say eight or nine films. I know I saw four on Monday. So my gosh, 
I know. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, you have a family and you have a full-time job. How do you do that? Is there a secret <laughs> sauce to doing four, four movies? What is that? I ended up being off that day. So I thought, well, I've already done two. <laughs> Let's just keep on going. So <laughs> that's, am- <laughs> that's amazing. I, I just, I, I, I didn't, I didn't say this on cinematics yet, but I'm going to say it here. Find your film is a reputable podcast because I am joined by Bruce Porky and Eric Holmes. They are both diehard cinephiles. I am going to embarrass both of them because they are sort of punching my ticket with this podcast as well. They, we are all part, yeah, punching, punching back and forth. Eric Holmes, we're a team. Unfortunately, the bad news, guys, is for the third time, I'm going to try to actually watch 500 movies in 2020. I have re-upped my subscription to Letterboxd. And I am now six movies in. Over under Eric Holmes, am I going to make the 500 this year? Yes. Okay. That is I, a I give it. I give it the not the not uh, guarantee, but I'm rooting for you. <laughs> okay. That, Bruce Porky, he, Eric Holmes gives me the not guarantee, meaning no, because we're such good friends. He is giving me a little bit of a half guarantee. I appreciate that. Am I going to do it, Bruce? Yeah, totally. You got it. You got oh, it, man. Okay. Remember, you're still. This is the same guy who who probably puts the Painted Bird. It's one of his top ten films of the year. Do you still Absolutely. believe in me? Absolutely, yes, I do. <laughs> okay, okay, thank hey, you, Greg. What you do is you watch a lot of shorts and log all the movie trailers that you watch and commercials. You might even get to two thousand this year. I think <laughs> <laughs> that is a great. That's called cheating, Eric Holmes, and I am no, not. That's, no, that, that, that's called that's called gaming the system in your favor. Okay. You, remember, you make the rules. This is just for you to watch more movies. So, oh, thank you, thank you, Bruce. And I'm making the rules. The rules is no trailers, no shorts. But I, I have the option to rewatch movies from years ago. So that yeah. that's very very good. Speaking of rewatching movies or looking back into our past, we we do a segment called movie rewind. So before we get to our two main movies, uh, we do movie rewinds where we actually watch other movies that each of us have seen previously. Do you, any of you guys have any movie rewinds this week? Bruce, that is a shaking your head. That's a no. Eric Holmes, do you have a movie rewind this week at all? No, but uh, I don't, maybe we don't want to, do we want to tease it right now? Or we were talking about uh, the top movies of 2020, but we were also talking about the top 20 movie or the top five movies that we saw for the first time in 2020. Oh, so even though I don't have a rewind, I, I I don't know how much we want to get into it now, but we all three of us may have uh, some top rewinds to talk about in a future episode. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, that maybe in a future episode or a future segment, maybe next week. Well, I, Bruce obviously has his top. What on your on Rustomeyer, the YouTube channel of Bruce Perkies, you have your top twenty or it's the top twenty five on your channel right now. I did twenty five because wow. William Lindis did twenty five and I had like twenty two and I was like, okay, great. I'm doing twenty five. <laughs> that was like cutting it. You should you should see did you make your own rules, man. You should have did top twenty six just to give a weird flex <laughs> I could have done my top sixty nine, you know, if I wanted to. I mean, <laughs> oh whatever. come on. That's that joke never gets old, by the way. Top twenty no, it does not. And no, top twenty six. Now top twenty six we can never flex against William Lindis and the Movie Bears podcast, another podcast we all dearly love. Eric Combs and Bruce Perky. Let's let you know what. Let's just go to our main featured movies this week. The reason why I I made sure that both of you guys saw Nomadland. Got a screener screening link for Nomadland. First of all, it doesn't come out till February nineteenth, two thousand twenty one. It had a limited run in December 
for awards consideration. The reason why I wanted Nomadland is because it's my favorite film of the year. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom said that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Badland Spa. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. He's going to come right through the glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. I've met hundreds of people out here, and I don't ever say a final goodbye. It's just say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. And I do. I see them again. And I can be certain in my heart, I'll see you again. So I, I really adore it. It stars Frances McDormand. It is directed by Chloe Ja. Her last name is spelled Z-H-A-O, but you pronounce it Ja. And here is the IMDb summary of Nomadland. Quote, after losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. That woman, her name is Fern. She is played by Frances McDormand, obviously an Oscar winner. guys. My favorite film of 2020. What did overall thoughts on the film? First off, let me start with you, Bruce Burke. Your thoughts on Nomadland. I love this movie. It's spectacular. It's great. It's really, really good. It is already on my temporary top 25 of 2021 list, which I populate as the year goes on. And then I just weed stuff out as they fall out of the list. So um, that's my preliminary thought. It's very, very good movie. Now, you know, it says here that it's Chloe Jaw's third feature and it features, quote, real nomads, Linda May, Swanky and Bob Wells as Ferns' mentors and comrades. I thought one of the biggest pluses for Nomadland was the fact that Chloe Jaw used neorealism, which is basically using mm-hmm. non-actors for a cinematic experience. And I felt that these performances were real because the actors were not actors. They're not actors. Yep. But they're acting, they're not acting, they're real. Is that one of the reasons why I'm assuming Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky said he loves this, Was is this high on your list as well, Nomadland? Uh, this isn't going to crack my top five, but it was still really good. Uh, for me, this is one of those movies, 
and I can't quite think of it a good example. This is a movie that I liked. I liked the the world that it showed us. I love the performances in it. And to your point, I just thought they were good actors. I didn't know that they were actual real people. Um, I guess uh, some some uh, directors try that in to their detriment. Uh, getting non-actors sometimes doesn't work, but apparently this one it did because I didn't even notice until you just now mentioned it. But th- this is not a movie I'm going to watch a bunch of, like, <laughs> I'm not going to get off work and go, all right, let's put on Nomadland. But at the same time, it's still a really good movie and one that I'm, I'm glad I watched. You know, you know what? I, I am going to disagree with you here, Eric. And the reason why is because I'm a huge, I'm a total hermit. And the reason why I like Nomadland is, well, you actually go out more than me, Eric Holmes. Uh, since I'm a hermit, this appealed to my sense of wanderlust. Even though mm-hmm. Fern is living like so many people, hand to mouth, she's picking up menial jobs from whatever place she goes to. She travels, what, uh, Bruce, in a like an RV or a trailer or something from yeah, place Yeah, it's kind of like a van, but it's like an RV van kind of a combo. But it's pretty small. Yeah, she cooks, yeah. She, she lives, she sleeps, everything in that van. She moves from country to country. She's a seasonal employee. A lot of her jobs are on Amazon. I just like the I – I loved how Nomadland was a real exploration of sort of Americana – Without mm-hmm. it being emblazoned in big messages, this is an American film. What Bruce did? You, is that what did you like the breadth and the scope of the film as well? Yes, I loved that. Um, I loved the kind of weird blurring between real people and actors. And there was a couple actors that I recognized, but overall, I was constantly wondering: is this an actor or is this not an actor? Kind of, you know, it kind of made you want to know, but without looking at the IMDb and seeing that their names were their names, you know. <laughs> So you knew they were a real person. But yes, the breath, absolutely. For me, this also hit really, you talk about Americana here, and it kind of does what I think, was it Into the Wild? Was that the movie about the dude? This is like, I think Into the Wild wanted to be this movie, but I think this is the movie that you should watch instead if you want to kind of capture that. It's kind of playing off the idea of living off the grid, you know, you know, being part of the land and kind of kind of finding your community with other wanderers and stuff. It's all that kind of stuff going on, but it's not overly sentimentalized, which is what I really appreciate about it. And personally, it really struck me because I've been to a lot of these places and I've even thought about later in my life. I, I every so often I'll have that thought, like, you know, if something has happened and I'm on my own and I'm, you know, 65 or 70 and I find out I have cancer or something, I've thought about doing exactly this. Like literally doing this, wow! Just driving into the West because oh. I know areas in the West that I love, and I would, I would probably go do it. Well, I don't know if that's possible, Bruce. Eric Holmes, don't we tape on Wednesdays? He can't do that, can he? I mean, if he's got terminal cancer, we can't really stop him. He can do whatever he wants at that point. <laughs> I'll just make sure I stop at somebody with Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Eric, to your point though about the rewatchability, you know, of Nomadland, is it also because the actual storytelling execution of the film it's some of the stuff is it's kind of hard to take you know it's heartbreaking a little a lot maybe i could see maybe how some people might not not even want to see it maybe just more more than once yeah a a little bit but i mean it's 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 kind of a downer sometimes but not all the time like i like all the i like the sense of community it has because even though everyone's kind of you know in their own trailers they all seem to kind of meet up once in a while and so and so there's like definitely a sense of community in it it's uh similar to like uh leave no trace is that the ben foster one Mm -hmm. 
Right. Where, yeah. like, I saw Leave No Trace, and that was really good. But that's not a movie. The, those aren't type of types of movies that I go back to. Like, I'll watch once and go, wow, that's really good. Love the performance. Love this, that, and other thing about the movie. But they, they don't, there's not enough blood and violence in <laughs> to, to bring me back to it, I guess. I, I, I don't know what it is. But, like, those type of movies, they're, like, uh, they're really impressive to me. And I... I definitely recommend them as I do this one. There's just something about it isn't something I return to a lot. Would you Although- return to Nomadland if it was called No Country for Nomadland? <laughs> <laughs> I might. But I mean, also to that point, I, I think back of uh, like, you know, they go and the guy's playing the piano, the guy's playing the piano and singing to everyone. And everyone's just kind of sitting there eating, eating chili and hanging out. Like those are really nice scenes that kind of live in my head. And I like those parts. I, mean, I don't know why I wouldn't go. I, I can't quite put my finger on why I wouldn't go back to this, but I, and maybe I will, I, but it just doesn't seem like one that I would. It, it sounds like I'm shitting on the movie and I'm not. No, I know. Really no, I know. It, it's a really good movie, but I can't. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I need to, I need to search myself. Maybe I'll go on a, maybe I'll go on a trek. And find myself <laughs> and come back and go, no, I was wrong. I need to watch No Man Land again. Bruce, you're going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, I, I would be really interested to see kind of how people fall on this, like what the consensus is, because I kind of have the exact opposite feeling. I, I I don't feel like it's a downer. I don't think this movie, movie is a downer to me. I mean, I would say it's it's not super upbeat. It's not active. It's not flashy, but I didn't feel an overall feeling of sadness from this movie. I, I didn't, that was not kind of how I went with it. Well, spoiler alert, Fern played by Frances McDormand, as I'm, I'm assuming from watching this movie, she has no iPad or no, no, te- no television and no visible streaming services around. Very sad life. No Amazon Prime video, no Shutter, no Criterion <laughs> channel. That and has her, to be... But her character would not. Her character would not rewatch this. In fact, probably wouldn't watch it the first time. But I think that has more to do with her lifestyle than her. In many, yeah, in many ways, I I do see it as an admirable lifestyle. It, it, the fact that she's exploring and just connecting with so many different people. Bruce, you know, little spoiler for this episode. Did this this movie really attracted? just inspired you to watch more of Chloe's work? Is that because this movie had such a power over you and that, that you decided just to go there for last week? Yeah, I, that and I had heard that her previous movie, one right before this was really good. So I was curious to check it out and see how it compared. So that will come up later. Okay, very cool. So final thoughts on Nomadland. Again, it's my my favorite film of the year. I haven't seen it for two and a half months, or maybe two months. I was really blown away by it. This is my number one. My number two is Mank. Actually, there are moments in the movie I had to just remember. I instant messaged or messengered Eric Holmes a couple of days ago, and I asked him, what happens at the end again? And then when he told me, I go, oh, yeah, powerful ending. For, for I did not want to remember that ending because it's just – it really sticks with you. So Yeah. It, well, that, not to get into what the ending is, but uh, as far as the feeling, it's, that, that's actually one of those perfect endings. Or, mm. There's not much going on, but that's like – you see a movie that uh, it ends and it's not real flashy or anything, but it kind of, it just kind of settles into the movie. It's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, it, that's kind of where I had to go. And 
Yeah. Yeah. As as opposed to a lot of other movies by lesser talents, they would have given a false ending, which we've seen actually a lot of times more often in more uh, just every person type of movies. And I'm glad this movie actually was pretty uncompromising towards the end. So, okay. So that is Nomadland. That is our first main movie. The next movie, I this is a movie that I thought would have been interesting. It it was getting some really good reviews. It's directed by Jerry Rothwell. It is called The Reason I Jump. Comes out, I believe, on demand. I'm going to go check on this in a second. Okay. And uh, it's, quote, the IMDb plot summary based on the book by Naoki Higashida. Higashida. This immersive film explores the experiences of non-speaking autistic people around the world. I think we can change the conversation around autism by being part of the conversation. Right now, Joss is having a joy that I will never come close to. (laughs) To live my life as a human being, nothing is more important than being able to express myself. As we were talking about with Nomadland, Nomadland explores Americana, but the immersive experience of the reason I jump is you get to live at least for a few moments or, or see, through, see uh, from, from, a, from a really personal POV the lives of several autistic youths from not Americana, but from all over the world. And I found this, you know, we, we, you learn more about autism, but you also see how everything is so connected and connected in a very intimate fashion. It's a very powerful documentary, I thought, and would love to hear what you guys think about it. Eric Holmes, Holmes, the flower of Eric, your immediate thoughts on checking out The Reason I Jump. This one is one I will be watching over and over and over again, only for no other reason than to further immerse myself into what it is these people go through. Uh, not just the people in the in the documentary, but other people like that throughout the world. It's it's really interesting. The because uh, it's based on a book from I don't have the name in front of me, but uh, the, right Naoki Higashida. He, Naoki yeah. Higashida, yeah. And he's he's autistic, and they had to have someone to help help him write it or ghostwrite it for him. Translator and everything like that. it was translated in different languages and everything. Yeah, this movie's really heartbreaking in a sense. But it's also kind of enlightening to me. It, it's heartbreaking because you have these people and you can their frustration comes through. I have this idea in my head and I want to relay it to you, but it can't because my speech doesn't work the way that makes sense to you. Barely makes sense to me, but I need to get this out and I can't communicate. And then, they, you know, they talk about like the, the meltdowns they have and the frustrations they have. And, you know, even something as simple as uh, I'm thirsty I got to go to the bathroom or whatever it is. You can't communicate that because you don't speak the same language as everyone. And not, I don't know. It, it, it just, it kind of, it kind of made me see the world in a different way. Uh, the, this is, this is similar to uh, my octopus teacher where mm. I, I walked, I, I was Eric going into the octopus teacher and I came out a different person. Same deal with this. Like I came, I came into, I came into this movie as Eric and I came out, just having a completely different, you know, thinking of the world in a completely different way beyond just what these people go through, just different ways of thinking and 
I don't know. I'm still I'm still trying to process a lot of it. But this movie this movie uh goes into ideas that I never really considered before. Yes. And and I really want to go back to it. I in fact I wanted to show my sister, but with the screeners, like sometimes you get weird about that. So I always have to watch them by myself. But when this comes out, which I think this comes out Friday, am I Yeah, it comes out Friday. It comes out okay, you know what? Here it is. It's oh you know, my bad. It's not on VOD. It's opening in select theaters and virtual cinemas. So I mean virtual cinemas, right? Yeah. On January eighth. So yeah. Well, the, 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 this is one I'm. This is one I'm going to show my sister and you know the kid. Like we we talked uh, about Wonder Woman. How you know like, not to not to beat on that dead horse, but like I just got, you're, you're putting me in a bad mood right now, Eric. What, what are you doing? <laughs> well, Wonder Woman, I don't think is a good movie for kids. This is a great movie to show oh, kids. And, and granted, they might. It's possible that they might get bored with it because it's a documentary. But I think it's possible that they might see this and maybe have friends that are this way. And this, I think, if you can get your kids to watch this, this would be a great movie to show kids. And I think it would be interesting to them in ways that that you might not initially suspect. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a hard-hitting documentary, and I, I really love it. Bruce, did you, Eric, had really strong emotions and thoughts about this. Do you share his sentiment regarding the reason I jump? Yes, I do. I think this is a very profound movie as he was saying comparing it to my octopus teacher i think you could also compare it somewhat to sound of metal i think both of them are about perception and maybe misunderstanding how the other you know in quotes perceives the world and it's it really wants you to be immersed in the idea of how autistic people especially the non-speaking autistic people that's kind of the specific focus non-speaking autism how they are perceiving the world and how they are trying to communicate with the world. And what I thought was especially interesting about it is that as you meet all these different characters, Amrit, uh, I think it's uh, Joss, Ben and Emma and Justina, as you meet all these people, you not only kind of discover a better understanding of how the world is kind of being perceived, but you also discover every one of them is also unique like everybody else in the world. So at at one point, it gives you more understanding. And at another point, it allows you to have less understanding and have to understand like every single person, autistic or not, you have to deal with on an individual basis. I thought that was very interesting. And I had weird, it really puts you in weird places. Like for example, I thought it was really profound um, societally too, because depending on where these people are raised and who their parents are, their ability to thrive and succeed is either it it either flourishes or it doesn't and i think that is something too that's very important to see like how you know one of these children in one society literally might be seen as a devil you know or demonic and may not have access to something as simple as a an area where they understand how to use a letter board to let them communicate or so i think that was really interesting too because it kind of just you know, it's just super empathetic to understand that what we see isn't always the way the rest of the world gets to experience experience things, you know? I mean, we don't all have the same amount of freedom or the same amount of access to things, and it really is important. And it's such a this is just shown in a microscopic way here and a really tragic or inspiring way depending on where these people are. 
So. You know, I think it's a little bit both. It's tragic because of the state of the state, but it's also very inspiring. Yeah. I let you and Eric uh, talk ma- mainly about this because I don't even want to talk about this movie. It, it did make me just completely uh, tear up. It's It was very p- impactful film for me. Yeah, even said here, I'm looking at the emails, which I never open. It says director Jerry Rothwell is now available for interviews. I don't want to interview him because I'd probably tear up because, oh, you want to, okay, Bruce Perky, you want to maybe, and Eric, probably Eric Holmes as well. I, I wouldn't have the guts to even do the interview because it is such a powerful film. And I highly recommend this film, you know, because of the subject matter of non-speaking autism, the entry point to the lay viewer, moviegoer is going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to watch Eric, you mentioned this. Not not your fault. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it one more time, very quickly. You know what? I'm gonna watch Wonder Woman 19, 1984 this week, right? The lay movie goer will say this. I have HBO Max. I I don't know what this is. The reason I jump, I have to go to virtual cinemas. What what am I gonna get? The entry level. The way I would tell people to actually go see this movie. It's not a PSA about autism or non-speaking specifically autism. This is an immersive film, and it's a, it's also a very relatable movie. So, yeah, very powerful, very powerful. I, I don't want to get into all of the nitty-gritty. There's there's stuff about friendship, and you say to yourself, mm. wow, there, there's these two aut- autistic kids. They're not speaking, and they've known each other forever. I wish I had a friendship like that. And then you, then you see another girl from India, and she is trying to communicate. It's not doesn't speak, but you look at – her artwork and you go, well, I can speak. I, I, I'm not autistic, but heck, I don't think I've created something that amazing in my life. So there's so many power. You said tragic. Yes. Tragic. And also inspiring. So there's so many it's look, there's a, yeah, there's a critic from the, the Hollywood reporter, Leslie Felperman. I'm looking on the email. She said, wondrous. I would say that would be a perfect word to, to encapsulate this documentary because, and it's only 82 minutes. So yeah, it's worth it for sure. Did anyone else look up her artwork? I did to see if you could buy it. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Uh No, no, I didn't. Can you buy it? Yes, you can. You can go out and buy her artwork if you want to. It is. It is. Eric, what are you going to say? Say something. That's the artwork's amazing. So, Oh, uh, I I wasn't going to mention about the artwork, but just the value added of this movie. You say like a wondrous, and and other words that were said i can't quite communicate myself <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now <laughs> but uh this uh i i wonder i wonder if we're underselling this movie because it sounds like a lot of uh, you know sounds like a lot of platitudes almost like sure um you know when when you when you describe a movie like that it sounds like oh okay yeah kind of it's like dude this this movie could change your life in the in the way that you view things, and that's that's no small feat for a documentary to do, to uh, n- not just not just what you learn about these people, but they they think of things, they see the world in just a completely different way, but mm. similar enough to be frustrating for them. But I, I also it kind of uh, as I'm watching it because they talk about how they see things, you know, yeah. the, you see the picture. But I see this little detail right here and have to make the picture from all those details. And then they do like weird camera moves to kind of maybe best guess version of how they experience uh, sight or, you know, how they focus on things. It made me wonder, what does a movie we know? I mean, we can read what a book written by someone with this proclivity or I don't know if that's right. Yeah, proclivity. Yeah. 
Uh, we know what a book looks like that someone like this wrote. What does a movie look like that someone like this directed? You know, oh, and, not, and, and not and not just a documentary. What what are what are you know what all you know? We see what art they can you know draw and paint. It would be neat to see maybe funding go towards. I don't know what word you would call it. Like different arts. Like we you know we talk about uh, female directors, um, people of color directors, so on and so forth. But no one. And I could be wrong, and I have been wrong many times. But how many directors have like severe autism? Good point. I, granted, yeah. it, it would take uh, it would take uh, some money for sure because, and the translation would be really tough. It would definitely be a challenge to overcome. But wouldn't that be cool to throw some money at a at a film project by someone that that really you know they really want to make a you know. The, I like this. I like this movie, but this is not what I see in my head. This is what I see in my head. No, I, and I, us normies, us you know, quote unquote normies, might watch and go, "I don't get it." But maybe other people that have that same proclivity, they'd watch that and go, "This, this is this is me on screen. This is what you know what I wanted to see." No, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, wonderful stuff. Just so an idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. Bruce, you, you co-sign? I do co-sign. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, the reason why we're a little bit, uh, I guess, yeah, it, it, it this, this movie really does take your breath away. It is a platitude, what I just said right now. But the reason I jumped, there's, we are, there's no, we're underselling it. It's quite the film. It's from Kino Lorber Films. Again, this Friday, must see January 8th opening in select theaters and virtual cinemas. We'll leave links. Yeah. It's, it's getting a lot of all these nominations, documentary nominations, and it really deserves it. Maybe I should see and uh, see, see if I can actually get an interview with the director. I'll be, I'll be composed for the interview. That'd be very good stuff. Or maybe Bruce, one of one of us will do it. We'll figure <laughs> something out. We, we all love the reason I jump. Any last, last words regarding this doc, anything? Good. Watch it and show it to your kids. Enough said. Okay, so now we are at our recommendation state. Since I forgot what I was going to recommend, I'm going to start off with the most organized out of all of us. And it's not you, Eric Holmes. It is Bruce Perky. I know. <laughs> no, right? It's not us. Hey, Bruce Perky, what is your, your first recommendation this week? <laughs> well, uh, as kind of indicated, my first recommendation is a movie by uh, Chloe Ja, if I say it right. The Writer. From 2017, this, unfortunately, from my research, is only available to video rent or buy. I Well, it's worth buying, but I don't know why it's not streaming somewhere. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, The Writer from 2017. So you're going to notice something. If you haven't seen this, Eric, you're going to notice a pattern. So this, the main character in this is Brady, played by Brady Jandro. Jandro. His dad is played by Tim Jandro. His sister, played by Lily Jandro. Lane, his best friend, played by Lane Scott. Almost everybody in this movie is a real person, again. And you wouldn't know until you go back and find out that that's the case. Basic concept of this movie, it starts out in Brady. He is a rodeo horse bronco rider. He has just recently had a terrible fall. When you see him at the beginning of the movie, he's got a giant set of stitches on the side of his head. He's had a metal plate in his head. It's, I mean, in setup, it's kind of similar to The Wrestler in the sense that they're telling him, you know, you probably can't ever ride again, you know, and this is his life, riding bulls and 
or not riding bulls, riding horses mostly, and training horses and breaking horses and so on and so forth. The same cinematographers in all three movies too, which definitely gives a very, a, a uniform feel to the movies, the mood of the movies. There's this kind of this feeling of it's not documentary. It's not quite narrative. It's somewhere in between. Uh, you're always wondering like who of these people are real. I went back and looked. So Lane, his best friend in this movie, he had a similar fall, but he had enough of them that he is essentially like not a full quadriplegic, but nearly. And, and he's in a home and he goes to visit him. And this person really is his friend Ren in real life. And this person really had this stuff happen to him. And you can look up Lane Scott rodeo writing videos and see the real person before this happened to him. And that's the kind of incredible, weird things that you get in these movies. Yeah. Same sort of tone, same sort of interesting. This is a little more, I guess this is a little more of a plot movie. I guess you'd probably, you've seen this, I know, Greg. So you'd probably agree with me on that. This is a little more of a plot and the fact that he is trying to rehabilitate and he is struggling with whether he can go back and ride or whether he has to give up like kind of his meaning of life. At one point he even says, you know, if I were an animal that this has happened to, I'd put myself down. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of place you're at here. It's a pretty, it's a pretty incredible movie. It's really good. You feel like there's no script. I mean, it, I yeah. mean that in the best way. You just feel like, Eric, you know what, what's cool about this? You just feel like you're, you're really peeking into the life of a family. Yes. Coming apart at the seams, but mm -hmm. it, from the outside looking in, it doesn't really seem like it. It's not explosive. It's not dynamic. It's a day-to-day -day situation of deterioration but you're just living their life. You're living a life with them. It feel, that's how it feels to me. Yeah. But it's not, once again, it's not a total downer. You'll have these moments where there's these moments where he's teaching a horse, like teaching a horse to like actually not just be a wild horse. And I'm assuming by watching it that he's really doing this because he can really do this. And it's just kind of poetic and amazing. And, and it just kind of takes your breath away. And then there'll be scenes of him just riding a horse and he's just riding a horse across the plains, but it's beautiful. And and it's the Badlands show up again, you know, the, the areas show up that you see in Nomadland, but it's a little more focused. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's a really, really good movie. And you know I think it's underseen, I would think. Yeah, it's underseen. You know what's cool about Chloe Jaw? Uh, I think the mm -hmm. DP might be her companion in real life. Mm. So that's cool. That's cool that they're, they're together in film and in life. I think that's what happened. Her movies with the writer and Nomadland, she has all the other tools to go and make it more operatic on a cinematic yeah. level, but she literally she holds won't. back. Yeah. But they still look epic. And the other thing that I feel like she's doing with these two movies is she's doing something really interesting with Americana and Western cinema like she's doing this weird thing where she's kind of deconstructing the myths this is a, this movie has a lot to do about being a you know a cowboy and cowboying up and and being a tough dude right there's a lot of that in there and she's playing with all these mythologies and the same thing with nomadland she's kind of deconstructing them but she's also at the same way in a really i don't know if you felt this but i feel like she somehow successfully also kind of maintains those myths like yeah, it, yeah, there is like there's like an honoring of those myths at the same time that you're kind of like showing how they're always they're not always true, you know? Yeah. And it's a really tricky little way that she does that. And it and it makes a very interesting tone that I, I don't I don't think I've seen anywhere else. It's very, very unique. It's a, it's a unique thing. I, I, I just remember remembered one of her interviews and she said one of the keys to her as far as a storyteller goes is 
especially with casting these non-actors is she's a good listener. She just lets people tell their stories. And a lot of times with cinema, it's just it, understandably. So it's just exposition um, that moves the plot forward. That's the, you know, that's the formula, right? That's, that's, you know, Eric, you're a screenwriter. You know, the formula it's moving the plot forward. It, and that is the key to writing something interesting and successful, but she is, it's all about for her, I think, setting up the people, and she loves these people. You can tell. Even all in, with Nomadland, we're talk, we forgot to mention that Frances McDormand is the star, but really the star is her in relation to the people she meets along the way. That's what makes Nomadland really work, right? The, the connections she makes, the friendships, yep. and hearing, getting to hear people's stories. Huge part of Nomadland, huge part of the writer as well. Eric Holmes, I know if you see the writer, you're going to be torn apart. That This movie is something else. So I was gonna I was gonna mention because obviously I haven't seen the writer, but I can't speak on Nomadland in, in that uh, one of the hallmarks of a great director is how they get wonderful performances out of their actors, and the fact that she can and I haven't seen the writer, but uh, based on what you guys are saying, it sounds like it's similar to Nomadland where she pulls out great performances out of non actors. I mean that's gotta that's gotta say speak a lot to her talent. I would think as a director. Yes. This actor, Brady Jandro, like Bruce mm-hmm. says, not, a, not an actor. She's basically playing. There's no house money on this. There is no house money. He, he is a non-actor, but she frames the entire film on him. And guess what? He's magnetic. He may never be in another I, movie. Bruce. I was going to say, I wonder how she shoots that these movies. Like I can understand a little more in Nomadland. This movie, I wonder if she, I wonder if she shoots an incredible amount of footage. I wonder if she just almost like a documentary crew. I wonder if she just kind of sits with them and just shoots and shoots and shoots and shoots till they almost forget about her. And then she just has to kind of assemble the narrative out of right. the footage she has. I'm not, I'm guessing. I, I, I wonder because she gets such genuine performances out of non-actors. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And this non-actor happens to be the lead in the movie. I just, I can't believe that is such one of the biggest risks you can ever take. Yeah. And obviously it propelled her. I, we don't talk a lot about comic book movies in this podcast, but hopefully we're going to have a lot of really nice things to say about Chloe Jaw when the Eternals comes out. So I'm, I'm actually excited to see the Eternals. She's, she's the one, the, yes. Kaiser Soze twist. Kaiser Soze twist on Eric Holmes. (laughs) One of two things is going to happen. Either okay. the Eternals Uh-oh. is going to be really good or the Eternals is going to be the same as every other comic book movie. It's like, wow, if we did, we just talent with that. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly I, do not understand how she could possibly make one of those movies. I don't. And if she is allowed to, it could be incredible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the, 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 this is not to say that she can't. I, I'm sure because Nomadland, even though it's not a repeat viewing for me, she definitely knows what. And I, I, I know she can handle a, a comic book movie. My worry is that is that going to be her movie, or is that just going to be her sitting in the director's chair while the, uh, you know, they just throw notes at her and like, oh, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, and then just takes away any sort of. Uh, any sort of her fingerprints off that movie, which happens in these, you know, comic book movies, just blockbusters in general. And we got to homogenize it and make it look the same as everything else. And I don't know. 
Well, it we'll, will we'll see. I, I, I'm I'm definitely actually interested well, in watching the Eternals now, but I'm not. Oh. I've heard I'm, the Eternal is cast with all non actors, and it <laughs> takes place in North Dakota. So I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> wow, you know that that would actually be kind of awesome. <laughs> it would be so cool. And instead of spaceships, it's just horses right across the vistas the open With planes like, oh, they can just take cardboard boxes and paint them silver and put them on, on top of the horses and just like, like eric i i retract my statement don't watch the writer because if you watch the writer and eternals is coming out gonna you're gonna you be off. so yeah you're gonna be so just more you're gonna be more worried because you're gonna love the writer maybe might even like it more than no no did you like this better than nomadland or was nomad or, or were they equal for you bruce i would say they're they're like neck and neck i think i like nomadland a little bit better but it, it, i mean it probably would depend on the day of the week you ask me i could probably go either way on both of them they're both really this really is, good this is really reminding me a lot of uh, uh what the hell is his name um he did cop car clown oh right 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 uh yeah yeah he and he did I'll the spider-man up. movies and now he's doing only spider-man movies and once he's done come with the on. spider-man movies he's gonna come on. no cop car was <laughs> great he's... cop car was great right yeah no it, you... it was yeah well, but that, that that's the point you, you have clown which was awesome you have cop car which was awesome you have spider-man which is fine for a spider-man movie and then they did another one and it's fine and then they're gonna do another one and then after that i think he's doing like some other comic book movies it's like dude like we we got three Spider-Mans out of you, and now we're gonna get other com- different comic book movies out of you. It's like, look, where's that? Cop Car was pretty good. That was pretty good. When we're gonna get those movies? And now he's gonna do comic book movies until he makes a bad one, and then he won't be able to work in Hollywood again. And it's it's over. Done. <laughs> he's not a you know he's he's off the map now. I hope I and the, this is my worry about the. Uh, the Eternals, like maybe Eternals really good. Then they make Eternals two. Then they make Eternals three, and people don't like it. And then that that's it. You're done. You don't get to make movies anymore. Well, Eric Holmes, 2014, Clown was released. I have the Blu-ray. There, one of our Cinematics group members sent it to me. I forgot who. I got to remember. I think Pete Pelfrey sent it to me. Thank you, Pete, for that. I still haven't checked it out. Bruce, you love Clown? I just watched it in the last month, and Clown is great clown is great okay why did you not mention this on find your film bruce i had too many movies that week it it could still come up why don't you watch it and we'll talk about it together okay why don't i basically you're saying why don't i do my job and watch (laughs) hey you've got 500 movies to watch greg come on (laughs) okay you're right oh i'm gonna say eric clown 2014 uh, cop car 2015 i I get your your john watts saying that he should be going back and doing stuff yeah 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 his next up Here's here's what what's next up for him. 2021, Eric Holmes, Untitled Spider-Man sequel. And after that, maybe he's going to do like another clown or a cop car or maybe Coupe de Ville. Maybe something good. Nope. After Untitled Spider-Man sequel, Bruce Perky, I just want to see Eric Holmes' face. He's going. He's oh, currently, I remember now. I remember now. Uh, he's in pre-production of what? Fantastic Four. Yep, How does that make you feel? Good or do you wish do you wish it was a little bit look, bad? Look, he's I'm sure he'll make a great Fantastic Four movie. But again, let's he's he had two he had two great original movies. Let's yeah, get let's, okay. let's the wait what happened to the one for them, one for me, one for them, one for me. Yeah. Let's do a, yeah. Christopher Nolan did it. He did the bat he did the Batman, then he did the prestige, then he did the other Batman, then he did Inception, then he did another Batman, then he did like let's 
do your comic book movies. That's fucking fine. Do your comic book movies. Have fun with that. Have, you get the you get the big budget. You get to you get to play in the sandbox. You know, you read the comics growing up. You love them. You want to you want to make your own version of the comic book. That's wonderful. But you also have your own ideas, and I'm sure those ideas want to get out eventually. Let them. Let, let, let's do that thing. Make the comic. Make make your Spider Man, and then use some of that money and let's make it. No, we'll, we'll we'll get to Spider Man too. But for now, let's. I got this other cool idea. Let's let's, let's do that, and then we'll go back to Spider Man too. And then I can go back and do this other little thing. But or maybe they just don't want to. I I don't know. It it, it baffles me. But when it, when I see him go down that when I see him go down that hole, they never seem to come out. I, I mean, we lost Sam Raimi because of that. Nerds didn't wow. like Spider-Man 3, and Sam Raimi has been nowhere since. Wow. Drag, drag Me to Hell. The drag Me to Hell was really good. But that's but, one movie out of 20 years, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm thoroughly I'm thoroughly depressed now. Do you agree? Yeah. Do you do you agree, Bruce? Do you agree on this? I I I can't imagine that Chloe can stay in that universe too too long. It doesn't seem like it's in her blood, but I could be wrong, but I would be depressed if that is the case. I, you know, I my thing is, I hate to say it, I'm getting older now. We got movies like The Rider. We have Nomadland. We have Clown. We have Cop Car. Big studios come a calling. Sometimes the mortgage payment gets higher. Chloe Zhao lives in Ojai, which which uh, m- multi million dollar homes. I'm sure John Watts probably is somewhere in Malibu in a, in a huge multi-level mansion. You can't make clown do. You can't do that. So I, I agree with both of you, but I guess sometimes the reality has to set in. I agree with you. And same with Sam Raimi. They're just, they have, they have mortgages to pay, Eric. Mileage yeah. to feed. The, the, the first movie should have covered their mortgage for a long time. <laughs> they got all those beautiful like Airstream type things going so they're they're doing yeah i i i i get what you're saying and i i 100 agree with it speaking of you eric what is your first recommendation this week uh my first recommendation would be 2020 movie starring wesley snipes and uh let's see we got denzel whitaker and we got ti terrence howard and ethan hawk directed by the rizza called cutthroat city and I believe you can find, I rented this on YouTube. You could I think rent it on Amazon Prime for like two bucks. Uh, that's what it says here. I think I actually paid more on YouTube. So I probably should have waited, <laughs> waited a week before it. But no, Cutthroat City, it's, it's basically a, uh, a group of, group of people and they've fallen on hard times and uh, they have to, so T.I. plays this, uh, this kind of gangster boss or mob boss or something. He's like this powerful guy within the, the underworld, and he wants these guys to rob a casino. Or they don't necessarily have to rob a casino, but I need you to do this thing and get money, or otherwise you're going to be in big trouble. And they try to uh, – it's, it's similar to Dead Presidents in that with Dead Presidents, it's people – coming back from the war and they're trying to do things legitimately falls apart, doesn't work for them. And so they have to result, uh, they have to resort to crime in order to get their life in order um, or just to stay afloat. And this movie kind of is sort of that, but it's not as good as uh, doesn't, doesn't earn it in the same way that dead presidents does. Um, this is, uh, it, you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, one of those type of movies um it's it's definitely fun i liked it 
Uh, but this was a case of, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, I really need to put in dead presidents. And then Ethan <laughs> Hawke shows up and it's like, you know, I could really put in, I could really put in Training Day or Brooklyn's Finest right now. That'd be really tight. But I will say, I didn't really think much of Riza as a director, but this this is actually pretty decent. I and I kind of I kind of see Riza's growth as a director in this. And so even though this movie isn't like you know top shelf of this kind of movie for me. Uh, it was good enough and interesting enough that I'm actually looking forward to see, really looking forward to see Rizza kind of grow in his craft and looking forward to see what he comes out next. Well, you like him because of his stuff with as Bobby Digital or the Wu-Tang Clan and, or his work with Quentin Tarantino. Is that one of the reasons why? Yeah, I actually, actually calls out Tarantino in this movie. <laughs> there's a uh, there's an early scene where they're talking about uh, Quentin Tarantino and his uh, use of a certain word. Oh <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and and I know that he's worked with Tarantino, and you know he kind of doesn't he holds his feet to the fire a little bit, and then kind of pulls it pulls back because uh, the characters also use that word a lot, and so they're kind of like you know that 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 was definitely a, a interesting sort of conversation within the within the within the movie but the, this has this definitely has a lot to like about it but i i'm looking i'm looking forward to see Riza kind of get better and i think okay. he is mm-hmm. like like the the uh the iron fist the man with iron fist or whatever, with whatever that fist, movie yeah. yeah like i i i saw that and as anderson said went in one eye and out the other <laughs> um, I didn't see his second movie, and this one's it, like he seems to have like he's progressively getting better and better. And I, I don't know, maybe his next movies—I doubt his next movie's going to be a masterpiece. But he's he's a director that seems to be learning from his mistakes and just kind of continuing to get better as he goes along. And okay. I look forward to seeing what he comes comes up with next. So Cutthroat City, you give that a light recommend then? A light recommend? Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna hate this movie. Well, except for uh, Ti has uh, his character has vitiligo, the white splotches on his face. Yeah, and I'm kind of familiar with Ti, but not that much. So I'm watching it, and it looks like it's kind of painted on, but I couldn't tell. <laughs> I had to hit up my friend. I'm like, uh, I know I could Google this, but I'm just gonna ask you: Does Ti have vitiligo? And he's like. I don't what's vitiligo and they told me he's like well I don't think so and I look up a picture and then but I mean that that's still kind of a cool it's still kind of a cool character choice it sucks that they use it for a villain but you know it, it's got a I don't know they yeah there, there, there's stuff I like about it stuff that bugs me about it okay overall cool. it, it it's uh the, this is a harmless movie and if you put it on you're probably gonna like a lot of it Ooh, and Wesley Snipes shows up for a total of like a minute and a half, but that minute what? and a half is glorious. <laughs> okay, a minute and a half for Wesley Snipes, even though yeah, he's probably five minutes, five but minutes. he's not in it much, but Wesley Snipes is awesome in everything. We, we love Wesley Snipes. Of course, You, uh, Wesley Snipes and Ethan Hawke were previously seen together in the aforementioned Brooklyn's Finest, which I still haven't seen. I still haven't seen Brooklyn's Finest. Very good. I, I, you know, uh, Brooklyn's Finest, when that came out, a bunch of I, I know a bunch of people shit on it. I I love Brooklyn's Finest. Okay. I, I think that's I think that's like up there with Training Day for me. But okay. again, that's I'm also the guy whose favorite Godfather movie was the third one. So you know, <laughs> consider the source. Okay, have you bought the new Blu-ray yet for Godfather Three yet? 
for no, Eric? I haven't. Okay, you got to, you got to. I'm sure. Cutthroat City. Eric Holmes rented it, I believe, on YouTube for three ninety nine, and yeah, so it's three ninety nine for rental, and it's also available for streaming on Spectrum on Demand and Hoopla. Bruce Perky, your second recommendation. My second recommendation is from 2015. It's Songs My Brothers Taught Me by Chloe Ja. (laughs) Her first feature. I won't go into a bunch of detail on this one because I I will be saying a lot of the things I've already said. But (laughs) it is on Hoopla and Canopy, so it's a little more accessible and rental, of course. It takes place on the Pine Ridge Reservation, kind of near the Badlands. Uh, This is very near where Wounded Knee occurred, if you guys are familiar with the Wounded Knee Massacre. And it is a Lakota tribe reservation. The two main characters, there's a lot of characters in this, uh, as she tends to have. The two main characters are Johnny, played by Johnny, by John Reddy, and Jashana, played by Jashan St. John. They play, he's an older brother, younger sister, and they, they are both kind of dealing with what it's like to live on the reservation. And like the other movies we've talked about, you have this incredible combination of real people, real locations. I think it's his real house that most of this is filmed in. Uh, They aren't actual brother and sister, but other brothers and sisters of his are in this movie. Uncles are in this movie. People that he knows are in this movie. And once again, you get this kind of very, very genuine feel i'm assuming of what it is like to live on a reservation in modern native american you know modern times and it's just fascinating it's tragic it's maddening he it's kind of a basic story is that he is getting to an age where he's kind of falling in love with this other girl that lives in the area and his dream is to you know leave with her and move to la just get out. You know, it's kind of that classic story, get out of the small town in a sense. And the little sister is like, you can't leave me, you know, you can't leave me here. And there's tons of other interesting characters and stuff. And what he does kind of for money is apparently it's illegal to sell or to have alcohol on the reservation. Like it's just illegal. So he has to go out of the reservation. He loads up like a bag full of beer and various things and brings it back in and then sells it on the down low, almost like you would a drug dealer, but instead Mm -hmm. he's selling alcohol. And um, it has the same sort of subtlety, the same sort of nuance and interesting characters. Once again, that, that the ability to just sit with characters and let them have scenes and moments together. It's fascinating. And once again, like I said, and I like, I won't go too deep into this. She is rewriting the American story in a really interesting way, you know, I mean, you literally have the writer, which is cowboys, you know, and you literally have this movie before that, which are native Americans in modern society and like how they interact. And, and in fact, you, there's one character, um, cat, I want to say his name's cat. He's a rodeo writer. He's in this movie. He's also a side character in the writer. And he also appears in Nomadland. So these are almost shared universes. You know, you could believe that these, they probably are real places that all exist right now. And in fact, she met, uh, was it Brady? She met him through Cat while they were filming this and started and learned about him and decided that was going to be her next movie. It's, she's doing some really incredible stuff. And I think as these, I don't know if this is going to be like her trilogy and she's going to go do totally different stuff after this, but these three movies are really just kind of, 
a piece. So it's good. That's it. No more from her. Just Marvel. Yeah, she's done. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. So, I would say this is the least narrative. I would say of all three, if okay. you want the one with the most narrative kind of a story to it, um, you're probably going to look at the writer. If you want to kind of look at the biggest scope and everything, that's Nomadland. And if you want to look at something that's a little more focused and and quieter and maybe something more unusual for, you know, white middle-aged 55 guy, 55, 50 year old guy, this one might be in some ways the most interesting because it's, it's kind of a, a version of a society that you just don't experience. So if you did the viewing in a linear fashion, meaning if it's 2015 and you, and you saw this mm-hmm. movie, would you have thought, Oh, this filmmaker, she's going places or was this movie an ups- uptick or an upscale because you had already seen her those other movies before watching this? I mean, it's hard to say uh, on its own. On its own, yeah, it might be just like, this is a nice, independent, really focused, interesting character-driven movie. You might not necessarily say that it would go someplace else, but you also, if you kind of dug into it and found out how many these people are like real people, it would definitely be a little different and kind of pique your interest. It was fun for me to go reverse in time with her movies and to kind of see the through line with her stuff and also see that really her level of quality, it started out pretty darn high, you know, wow. and she's just kind of honed in a little more, a little more. But I mean, you look at this movie and it's what, six years old now, almost. And um, I mean, it's got to be an incredibly small budget, but it's pretty, pretty great. This Chloe Josh, she's a total beast. She was doing post on Nomadland and Eternals, I believe on the Disney lot. She was doing two posts on both movies. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, So I'm just going to be happy about it. I'm going to say it it would be cool. We watch the Eternals and who knows, it could be an awesome movie. Could you, Eric, do you think, what are the chances of the Eternals being the best movie out of the four? Uh, Pretty low. <laughs> love it love i just softballed you that question love it love it chloe jaw you got a lot to prove well you don't have much to prove though you're an amazing filmmaker but eric has you on the low uh, i'm a bit of a sellout but i might have to say i have to I, i'm thrown in with eric holmes i'd say low but i'm still i'm still look i'm still it, holding it, out for her all non-actors in north dakota version of the eternals i'm still holding out for that that's what i'm holding look, out for. if uh the eternals is her movie like through and through Good chance it'll be really great. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's the case because Marvel doesn't. That's a MCU movie. They can't do that. They're they're locked into the everything's connected, and um, yeah, you can't you can't really. uh, I I believe Edgar Wright tried that with Ant Man. They booted him out and got Peyton Reed in, which is fine. I mean, Peyton Reed made it you know as good an Ant Man movie as you could ask for, but it's. You know, they they don't want auteurs. They want names, I guess. I I don't know what they're looking for. Can she be like a college football coach and they can boot her out, but they have to pay her still so she can use that money for what she wants to do with it? Wouldn't that be awesome? awesome. Give her like, you know, 70,000, 70 or I don't know what, $50 million or something and say, you're not in here anymore, but you get the money. Okay, cool. Yeah. If they can give her a hundred million dollars to make, (laughs) make whatever, whatever movie she wants to make, like. And then they go ahead and make the Eternals, which will be exactly the same with or without her. Yeah, I would, I, 
I'd, I'd lie and say Eternals is the greatest movie out of all of them. And but you go ahead, you got a hundred million. Go ahead and make eighteen different movies with that money. That that would be fantastic. The nerds get their nerd movie, and an auteur gets to make all fifteen of her movies. And what, I mean, what's, it's a win-win-win-win-win-win. Everyone wins. Well, Bruce, I'm eventually going to watch her first movie. I think. What do you think? Do you think we should just torture Eric and make him watch her first two movies? So by the time the Eternals comes <laughs> out, he's basically a neurotic shakes. Just <laughs> honestly, awesome. I think I think Eric would be pretty fascinated with both movies. I think he would dig them. He would at least he would at least dig them. I think I think if I were to to bet, I think he would love the writer. I think yes. that would be. Yeah. I think that would movie would hit and, him. And you know, I think to the go writer back, shake like, I. I didn't hate Nomadland, but that like again, that's not one of my top five of the of the year. But that this has nothing to do with that. This oh, yeah. has to do with this has to do with an artist doing their art, and then when they get when they get into that blockbuster, not to beat on this dead horse again, <laughs> but uh, you know, let let an artist do their art stuff, and then let the uh, John Favreaus of the world do their Star Wars because that that's. Like when John Favreau does a an Iron Man or he does a Star Wars, that's not we're we're not losing any great art or interesting stories with him there. When J.J. Abrams does a Star Wars or a Star Trek, we're not losing any great original ideas that would have came out of J.J. Abrams otherwise. Yeah. You know, with the with these other filmmakers, like uh, you know, when they get into that, we're losing something because they're doing they're doing that thing instead. I have bad news to tell you, Eric. Bruce yeah. and I just got a commission uh, where we're getting uh, free advertisements <laughs> from Disney Plus. We, we we now have to redact all your statements from this podcast. So we apologize, Eric Holmes, you're our buddy. But you know, it's all about the the ching ching, right? Right, Bruce. <laughs> all redacted. podcasts are Mandalorian and Grogu recaps. <laughs> and oh, by the way, Eric Holmes, sad to say, we're going to be talking about all Mighty Ducks next week. So sorry. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I like the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> By the way, I, I I have a deal. Maybe a, maybe a two week window deal. I will see Clown if you see the writer. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Good deal. Now win 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 <laughs> and, okay. and before we get to your I guess final one, Eric Holmes, and then we're gonna get to the box with you, Bruce Perky. I have a quick recommendation. The only reason why I'm making a recommendation this week is because we have to keep our Jalo Cinema, Dario Argento, Mario Bava, eventually Fulci. Uh, we did Kobuchi last week. Kobuchi doesn't count as Jalo, uh, but what do we do? We did we we still kept it. Bruce, you did um you did Bava last week. So every single yeah. week this Bay of Blood. Yeah, blood. Yeah, every single week, listeners. Yes, very good, Eric Holmes. Every single week, we have Jallo Cinema on the brain. The Cat of Nine Tails, The Cat of Nine Tails, released in 1971. And the original title, I can't pronounce, it's an Italian film by the master, the maestro, Dario Argento from Suspiria, Il Gatto a Nove Code, I guess. The Cat of Nine Tales stars Carl Malden from the streets of San Francisco and on the waterfront and James Franciscus, very quick synopsis, a reporter and a blind retired journalist try to solve a series of murders. The crimes are connected to experiments by a pharmaceutical company in secret research. The two end up becoming targets of the killer. The blind retired journalist is played by Carl Malden. And the reporter is played by James Franciscus. Rounding out the three is the retired journalist, the blind one, played by Malden. He is sort of a father figure, the father to a girl whose parents have died. 
So they are sort of a nice little family unit. The reporter is stumbling onto a series of murders. They're trying to find the serial killer. Very simple plot. I remember asking Bruce Perky what he thought of this film, and he said it was good, but it's early Argento. Air Combs, do you remember seeing The Cat of Nine Tales by this plot synopsis? Did it, because uh, you've seen pretty much all of Argento's movies. No, I, well, I haven't seen all of them, and I think this might be one that I haven't seen. I thought maybe I did, but then I was thinking of uh, Lucio Fulci's The uh, uh, Cat on the Brain. I think I was confusing <laughs> it with that, which is a completely, completely different movie than this, but I don't think I have. Well, but okay. Right. Last. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. Rewind. But last week. Okay. Yeah. I forgot. I think it was last week when all three of us, we did review Dario Argento's Deep Red, a classic film in my book, really high up there, almost to the levels of Suspiria. All three of us talked to Argento. This week, Cat Cat of Nine Tales, it doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't reach the heights of Deep Red as far as the the cinema. And it doesn't reach the, the levels, the classic levels of, you know, Suspiria. So Suspiria and Deep Red are just on the same level, almost on the same level. You could argue which one's better. This one is slightly below, but when you say slightly b- below for Argento, it's still high level artistry. And the great thing about Cat of Nine Tales is it's sort of a a take on a Hitchcockian thriller, but this time this it has well more blood, kind of on the level of Brian De Palma blood, but it's almost even more violent than a Brian De Palma film in, in certain senses. It's also... You know, there, there are moments of sexiness, but it, he doesn't go over. For for years, the reason why I, I actually avoided Argento films, because I was actually scared. I was thinking it might, he might be even more gory or violent than De Palma, who's my favorite director. But ultimately, I realized I I spent all those years avoiding him because for no reason. I was able to stomach Suspiria. I was able to stomach Deep Red. And Cat of Nine Tales has some gruesome murders but it doesn't really go overboard like you're talking about bay of blood there's not too much bay of bloods here in cat of nine tales but the one th- cool thing about cat of nine tales it, it scares the living you know what it scared the crap out of me just like deep red scared the you know what out of me superior for some reason not so much just i was just so immersed and hypnotized i was more hypnotized by that movie but this cat of nine tales if you want a really scary film that has a lot of suspense to it maybe a little bit of blood Highly recommended. It's a four-star watch for me. It's Eric. It's uh, currently available for streaming on Amazon Prime Video, also on Tubi, Canopy, Shutter. It's available everywhere. When they say early Argento, don't let that fool you. Don't let that dissuade you. It's still Argento doing Argento things. The, the camera is fluid. A lot of times, for usually for find your film, we 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 end up watching. Uh, we have to review so many movies, and each of us probably watch a movie or two a day. And there are times when I'm actually, I'll, I can actually pause a movie and eat my breakfast, do my thing, and come back and play it again. With Cat and Nine Tails, the great the the frustrating thing about Argento is when you when you play an Argento film, at least the ones I've seen, it's hard to stop. They're just immersive. Mm-hmm. So is that how you guys feel about what makes Argento such a special? It's hard. You can't just like stop. It's just so yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I just always thought since with being a De Palma fan, that, that just is like a, a director you should love, you know, he's different, but he's, he's just in your wheelhouse. I feel like, so oh, I'm I glad love- that you're dropping in there. <laughs> I, I love him. Uh, yeah. Eric. So definitely down the road, see cat and nine tails first. I, I will, since I am a, I like to torture people. I would rather you see the writer first. Just so you, you, just, 
I just got a uh, I just got a visual of Greg with like a tub of Argento nuts, so I'm just rubbing it over himself like, yes, <laughs> I finally found you. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. You know, listeners, if you like Brian De Palma and you have not seen, have you decided not to journey through Italian cinema because of the subtitles, right? I, I highly recommend Argento is an eyeful to get. I personally, Suspiria is the one everyone wants to start with, but you know, there's going to be a lot of pleasures to see with Deep Red, especially some for some spoiler stuff that will really scare the living, you know, what out of you. <laughs> and then after that, I would say Cat and Nine Tales. So either, either or. Yeah. So that is my one recommendation this week, Cat and Nine Tales. Who's next? Is it? No, not you, Bruce. Eric, you're next. Your final one. Yeah. Eric, you're yeah. Final. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Final one. So I think early on, maybe a movie mainline days. Uh, we talked about a movie called Lose L U Z, and uh, I can't remember. I was probably just looking up that movie again, but I found a movie called Lose the Flower of Evil, and I was like, "Well, I have to watch. I have to watch this. See what's called is Lose. About. I gotta watch it." <laughs> and uh, as it turns out, and by the way, this is not at all a sequel to Lose. This is a completely different movie. I believe this is a Colombian movie. It says 2019, but I think it only played in like uh, the the film festivals in 2019. I think it actually came out this year, uh, at least in America. Written and directed by Juan Diego Escobar Alzate. 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 Yeah. And uh, this movie is beautiful looking. Um, yeah, it looks look- like uh, it looks like a Technicolor, like Wizard of Oz or Sound of Music. That kind of uh, that kind of uh, rich colors in the uh, in the uh, cinematography, and it goes well with when it gets really dark and bloody. There's a uh, there's a guy. Uh, I think he's uh, El Senor. And he's got three daughters and he's a very religious man. And he's always looking for the Messiah. He thinks that Jesus, the second coming of Christ is coming. And he uh, finds little children, little, uh, you know, they're Colombian. They have dark hair, dark eyes, you know, but he always finds kids that have blonde hair and blue eyes. And he thinks they're the Messiah and he puts them in a little neck brace and ties them up outside and as uh, humans do when they're exposed to the elements, they eventually die. Oh, uh, he wasn't the Messiah. He had the devil in his blood. <laughs> but this this other kid I found, he truly is the Messiah. Another blue-eyed kid puts his uh, neck shackles on, and uh, eventually that kid dies too, and so on. And now, like, not only are his daughters like, Dad, you're, you're like, you think you're this prophet? I, th- I think you're crazy. All the people in the town's like. Why is that? Why is El Senor keep getting kids and chaining them outside? I think he might be a little crazy. And then there's another thing that shows up because this, uh, when we talked about Headhunter, it's kind of like Middle Earth, but in this little corner. This is kind of similar to that, where it's it's like this little corner of Middle Earth, but it's not uh, fantastical. You know, there's not like dragons and monsters and stuff around. Except El Senor, maybe he's a monster. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what year it's set in. But it, it seems like it's set like the uh, 1400s or 1600s or whatever. It, it's set way in the past. At least it seems to be. Because at one point, a tape recorder shows up. And they don't know what this is. They're like, this is uh, one of the devil's tricks. 
and then they play they hit the button and it plays music and it's like this is the devil music they turn it off and it's like mozart or something like that and uh then they find out that the tape recorder can uh oh it can mimic our voices look i hit this button i talk i hit it and then I hit this button and it repeats exactly what i say and um I won't get much more into that because a tape recorder becomes kind of a, a very strange but interesting kind of uh, fold into this already strange movie. But it's uh, this is uh, this is probably we talk about movies up my alley. <laughs> yeah, I think this one's right up my alley. And I'm you know from here on out any movie that's called lose i'm just gonna watch it because it's probably <laughs> my favorite movie of the year. um this this uh for me i i don't know that everyone will feel the same way but for me this is you know before we had like trial of chicago seven and uncle peckerhead and now we got a third movie that's like floating in there that this will this will be in my top five for sure um Huge. but i don't know I, I don't know if it's for everyone at the very least the cinematography it, it's weird because the cinematography like the how they use the technicolor and then contrast that with the the dark night scenes which are really dirty and you know dark looking but i don't know if they shot on film or if they use the fake film grain because sometimes the grain looks a little too grainy if that you know mm. when they do that that I think they use that, so that was a little distracting. But the, I mean, it still it still looked awesome, and yeah, I would get I would I would give this movie a shot. Lose the Flower of Evil. It's a strange movie, and it's it's really violent. And oh man, oh there's a scene where one of the girls. Okay, <laughs> there's a uh, okay. Don't say, scene. don't say it. Don't say it. No, I, I, I will because that. No, that that won't even sell. But the, there's a there's a scene where one of the girls sees her dad for who he truly is. It's one of the early scenes where the dad, she knows that her dad's fucking nuts and he's uh, kind of evil, and that was not easy to watch. <laughs> I, I, I'll just I'll leave it there. But the, there's a lot, a lot great in this, and has uh, some interesting ideas on on uh, religion, which I appreciate. And you know the yeah the technical the technicolor color palette they use in this is really interesting for sure. Um, but That's yeah, amazing. lose the flower of evil. Check it out. Huge. So good and pretty. Yeah. That's a huge <laughs> recommendation from Eric Holmes. Lose the flower of evil currently streaming on Prime Video. To be. And, of course, Bruce Perky's number one streaming service of all time, Criterion Channel, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, and everything under the sun be damned. Shudder. Shudder. And it's also available for rent. So I'm excited to see Lose the Flower of Evil. I bet you, Bruce Perky, you're going to probably love this as much as Eric Holmes, the way he's describing it. So, yeah. Now, we are rounding out, closing our episode with Saving the Best for Last. What's in the box, Bruce Perky? Yes. Brucey B. Perky. Uh, the first two what's in the box were, I believe, wait, uh, the, company of Eve, uh, the Company of Wolves, and before that you did The Lives of Others. Yep. And what are you doing this week for your what's in the box? This week we are doing, uh, it says 1982. It's kind of unclear if it's 1982, 1981, 1983, but it's uh, Wild Style. 
directed by Charlie Ahern, and it was suggested by Brian O'Connell. And I actually asked him if he had any words to say about it or whatever. And mainly, all he really said was he just wanted to shine light on this movie because mm. it doesn't get enough enough talk. Busy get talked about enough, I guess. So, um, and I think Eric ended up watching this movie too. Um, surprisingly, not planned. Wild style stars mostly non-actors <laughs> so that was just kind of a happenstance um what is wild style well by many i guess it's considered like the first and in many ways one of the most important movies about the very very early like 1980 1981 hip-hop scene in new york city so let's say right out of the gate pretty like rough filming i think it was filmed on 16 millimeter and it is you don't come here for the let's say you don't come here for the acting and you don't come here for the plot it's pretty basic. It's this guy, uh, Zorro, played by uh, Lee, let's see, by Lee George Quinones, who is also in real life a very well-known um, graffiti artist. He plays Zorro, a graffiti artist. And he is kind of secretly tagging everything. Everyone wants to know who Zorro is. Uh, he meets up with some other people, um, specifically fade who is kind of a kind of a promoter kind of a dude played by fab five freddy if you ever heard of fab five freddy he's very famous um and then there's some interest by some out of the inner city reporter that you know kind of wants to make a story about the up and coming you know hip-hop scene i guess you'd say and there's a little bit of stuff about that the the main reason though you come here is the hip-hop performances the break dancing the graffiti art the amazing footage of New York City down in these areas where you don't see depicted much on film, except maybe in like a taxi driver or something. But here you're seeing it in a totally different context. And just seeing the super early hip hop performances in tiny clubs and just getting that kind of that energy, that stuff is amazing, I thought, and well worth the price of admission. And yeah, Busy B was one of the one of the rap performers here, and I loved. <laughs> and he's he's kind of like a cross between. He has like the confidence and bravado that you kind of expect from you know hip hop performers, but he kind of has a look and sound of almost like an Urkel. <laughs> so it's this really weird kind of dichotomy. But he's just brash, but he looks kind of like Urkel. It's just really weird. And then I'll let Eric come in here in a second but just say a couple other people that are in here dj grand wizard theodore you got cold crush brothers and the fantastic freaks doing an awesome rap battle on a basketball court which is pretty amazing and uh grandmaster flash makes an appearance and double trouble those are some of the main artists that kind of pop up in here okay so is that a uh, recommend straight up recommend for you i would say a straight up recommend going in with the idea that this is going to be I mean, it's going to be amateur acting, not the best production values. But if you kind of get past the story, which there isn't much to the story, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, hey, let's put on a show sort of a story with some other little pieces thrown in there. If you go in kind of knowing that and kind of get past that and just go there for the rap performances, the break dancing and the uh, graffiti art, that stuff's all awesome. Okay. What did you think, Eric Holmes? Yeah, this movie's uh, this movie's basically a music video. It, it's a episode. It's an hour and a half episode of Yo MTV Raps. Um, <laughs> yeah. And when Bruce says there's not much story, I would argue that there's no story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and there's a little bit. The uh, with, with the Lee Quinones, he's uh, yeah, he's, uh 
Yeah, Zorro, he's a well-known graffiti artist. And they kind of they kind of touch on like what graffiti art means to him because there's a little bit of uh oh you're going to spray on, you know, you're not going to spray on trans like we do. You're going to you know, you're going to spray that mural like it almost like he's a sellout. So they got a little bit of that going. But yeah, there's I think of story there's probably 10 minutes of a story. And the rest, it, like for every minute of story, there's 10 minutes of music, which gotcha. I, I I think is kind of fine because, it you know, if you like that kind of music, you're going to be all over this thing. If you don't like that type of music, this is not the movie for you. But, you know, or maybe it is, you know, maybe you get to maybe you get to see a different, uh, you know, different uh, culture that you might not be steeped in. But yeah, they uh the the break dancing's cool to watch, the music's great, and the watching the uh watching the uh graffiti art, that that's really good too. Uh kinda I, I think it doesn't do a great job of it, but it doesn't uh you know, since this is kind of one of the first ones that does it, it, it does a good job of kind of maybe helping you realize what graffiti art means to people. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, to to a lot of people, it's just what what do you call it? You're just you know spray painting vandalism, the, right? Just yeah, vandalism. They, they, there you go. Words they don't like me ever. <laughs> but, uh, van, you know, it, to a lot of people, it's just vandalism, and to them, it's it's a different it's different and emerging style of art, and so they, it it doesn't touch on that. It doesn't really drive the point home of that, but it definitely touches on that and kind of kind of brings it up and actually kind of. Actually, I wouldn't mind seeing another. I guess they did that. What was that Banksy documentary through the through the gift shop exit through the gift shop? Exit or through something? the gift shop, yeah. I, you know, this might this might be a good double feature with that. I think maybe watch maybe watch exit through the gift shop, get some appreciation for for the uh, uh, graffiti art, and then watch this after that and get hmm. you know, and then maybe you'd be able to pick up a little more of what they're trying to lay down, and you get the Yo MTV raps music on top of that, so. Yeah, this is definitely a recommend for certain people, you know. I would feel like it to me, like I would also compare it to, for me, because hip hop isn't necessarily my cup of tea. But I mean, like I've talked before about like punk rock, right? And I think if you don't know anything about punk rock and you go back and watch something like The Decline of Western Civilization or something like that, and you kind of get that real raw early day view of what the clubs were like and the energy there. I feel like this kind of does that for hip hop. Where if yeah. people there, even their people's experience of old school hip hop is you know, maybe their experience is Run DMC or something. This is even before that, and it kind of shows you that real underground spirit, like that feeling of like what it was like to be in a club with a small club with the people there, and the guys doing the rap battles, and you see the guys on the keyboards with the, and they even see the records they're scratched up. They're, these aren't like nice pristine records. They've been scratching them for a while, you know, and you, and you watch Grandmaster Flash like working back and forth between the different keyboards. Um, and it's pretty cool and interesting. And even though like now it seems very dated for hip hop style, I bet you it gets a lot of respect from people that are really into that to see like these early, early versions of these things. So that I would also say that is a good in- inter- side of it. Okay, so that is Wild Style, suggested by Brian O'Connell. Thank you, Brian, for that. That is for the segment, Bruce Perky segment, What's in the Box. By the way, Wild Style is currently streaming on Peacock, Tubi, Canopy, and Crackle. Bruce Perky, you want to very quickly mm-hmm. talk about What's in the Box? How can people get to yep. you as far as... 
Oh, oh yeah. Bruce, you got a pick for next Shaking week. Shaking the box. I got to yeah, shake. Yeah. Shaking the box. Yeah, just What's in uh, the box? contact me. <laughs> YouTube is Resto Meyer. You can just email me. It's my name at Gmail. Or you can just go on our cinematics page or look me up on Facebook. Just message me. You can put a comment in anything I post, which I usually post you know, every day or so, something. Just say, hey, put this in the box. And I'll probably put it in the box. Okay. Picking something right now. Picking Eric, you from forgot to say box. what's in the box. Can you say that one more time? What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Okay, yes, you go. gotta have the second one too. <laughs> I told my wife that and she just like rolled, she laughed. We love that movie. All, All right. right. Here is what's in the box. What will it be? Hmm. hmm. It's from Joseph Bridges. Oh, we okay. know Joseph Bridges. Love Joseph Bridges, yeah. A matter of life and death by Michael oh. Powell. It sounds important. Uh, it sounds it's like a matter of life and death, actually. A matter of life and death by uh, by who? Wait, wait, Powell, Michael Powell? Wait, 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 Powell. Uh, what is it? Uh, Michael yeah. Powell. Isn't he, Michael the, Powell. isn't he the Red Shoes? And Yeah, the Red Shoes. Michael, Michael Powell, Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. And I Peeping believe. Tom? Yes, uh, Peeping Tom. And yeah. Oh, I'm in. Oh yeah, but but you know what? I'll tell you something before. Little, little, oh, very good. Thank you, Joseph Bridges. Joseph Bridges is a member of our Cinematics Facebook group. He is a uh, cinephile whose opinions I really, really admire. He knows his movies. A matter of life and death. I can't wait till you, I see it. Or if you check it out, Eric, that'd be great too. Bruce, what a film! I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. It's it's an amazing. It's a. It's you know that that movie Heaven Can Wait. That with Warren Beatty, and then there's mm-hmm. an original. This is sort of a little bit kind of like that in a, in a different manner. But think of Heaven Can Wait, but way better and just epic. It's just a really fantastic film about life and death. So operatic, it's funny, awesome. it's dark. Yeah, it's, it's just really well done. So very cool. That's a great choice. So anyways, yeah. again, yeah, email, uh, email Bruce. Berkey, it, uh, I'll, I'll put his email on the show notes and also hit him up on his uh, YouTube movie review channel, Rusto Meyer. And uh, that is it. Anything else you guys want to say before we're, we head off? Uh, if you want to talk to me, give me a call and I'll be up late tonight. <laughs> say, hey, Eric, what's going on? I'm like, yo, want to party or what's going on? Very cool. I will, I will also leave Eric his email his contact for you guys too. and his phone number <laughs> yeah 719 account i'm editing out that part Tinder. eric just for your safe sense of safety but anyways Dude, you it, bu- it, it, here, here's the thing if i it, if you left my phone number in there and someone actually called i mean that'd be kind of cool actually. okay <laughs> be okay. cool with it i'm gonna i'm gonna bleep that out too i'm just oh, yeah no, i'm not gonna bleep that i'll, I'll just bleep, up, bleep out the number but uh both be of sure the- dr- be sure to drunk dial me is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> soliciting drunk dials wild <laughs> booty calls he says booty calls only okay okay <laughs> folks if you want some movie recommendations or or that bc that whatever that bc means that bruce bruce Perky was talking about get in touch with eric "Quote unquote wild style homes." He'll be there to answer your calls. And most importantly, hope you guys have a great week. Watch a whole ton of movies and hit us up. And Bruce Perky, you want to lead us out with anything? Nothing. No. <laughs> Only thing we're gonna say, Bruce. Bruce got nothing. He's he's too busy watching movies. I eventually will get to my five hundred. 
Eric Holmes will give us an update next week on on his uh, his game he's working on and his movies and all that stuff. And well, if he's not too busy fielding all the calls that you guys are going to be giving him. And last but not least, we will be doing another episode of Oscar Michaud. Hope you guys check that out. It's a very value added episode because of who Oscar is all about. Have a great week, guys.